The Florida Gators look to seek revenge on the Vanderbilt Commodores and bounce back from a tough loss up in Lexington. Today, we preview the showdown in Gainesville for homecoming against the Vanderbilt Commodores. This is the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. And welcome in to another episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I'm your host, Chris Gaines, alongside my co-host tonight, Neil Shulman. And we will have a special guest, a national champion, and a Swamp King himself, Stephen Harris, joining us later today to preview what's going on in the program, a little bit about Swamp Kings, and then, of course, previewing this matchup with Vanderbilt. Uh, but before we get to all that tonight, make sure to like and subscribe on the show for all of those that are watching. Make sure to rate, review, leave a comment down below. It helps us reach all of Gator Nation and bring even better content to you all. We also want to make sure we shout out our merch store and then allkindsweather.com slash merch. And then we also want to shout out the Gator Good Foundation as we've announced the winner of that for the Arkansas Razorbacks game on November the 4th. So make sure to go on the Gator Good Foundation website and support them today. All right, Neil. You know, I think we were hoping that this preview would be a little bit more joyous coming off a of victory at Lexington. That did not happen. The Gators now are find themselves at 3-2, and 1-1 one and one overall in the conference, taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores for homecoming, who are coming into this matchup 2-4 and four on a four-game losing streak and are 0-2 in their first two conference games of play. You know, certainly this is a game where in the past when Florida has lost has been a bounce-back opportunity, and we look to for that to be the case this coming Saturday in Gainesville. But last year the Gators fell to the same Vanderbilt Commodore team up in Nashville by a score of 31 to 24. So Neil previewing kind of getting into the storylines, what we're looking for out of this matchup, what are you, what do you think about Vanderbilt just overall and, and where the Gators stand today? Well, I think a lot of the talk with Kentucky was we don't really know what they are because they played such a terrible schedule. And with Vandy, I think it is simultaneously, um, the the inverse of that and the exact same as that in that we do know who they are because they've played a terrible schedule and they haven't really done a whole lot against it i mean playing hawaii very very close right right off the bat should have kind of raised some alarm bells hawaii is not a good football team and vanderbilt had to fight tooth and nail just to survive that one and then they've gotten into sec play and and their defense has looked very very sus to to put it mildly I think their defense is outside the top 100 in the FBS. They're currently allowing 409 yards of offense per game, which, again, against very, very bad opposition. So for Florida, if if you can't establish your offense against this team, if you can't dominate physically, I mean, you may as well just start making holiday plans because you're not making a bowl game. So this is it. Like, this is the last thing that even somewhat resembles a cupcake on the Gator schedule because it's about to get a whole lot harder and it's about to stay a whole lot harder consistently as there are really no more soft landing spots in the schedule the rest of the way. That's right. So yeah, next week, I mean, of course we go down to Columbia, South Carolina, up to Columbia, South Carolina on the road once again against the South Carolina team. While the record may not indicate it certainly could pose a challenge for Florida. Then we have a bye week. Then we go to Jacksonville for the cocktail party against the number one ranked Bulldogs. Then we got Arkansas. You've got LSU on the road. You've got Missouri, who's now ranked also on the road. And then, of course, you finish with a top five team in Florida State. So there are not any – there's not real reprieve for Florida after this matchup. There certainly are some winnable games left on the schedule. But as we talk about how the Gators can get to bowl eligibility, if they don't win this game, they can kiss all that goodbye. There's really no path forward for the Gators if they don't beat Vanderbilt this Saturday. So it is a huge, huge spot to say one – at least gives us a chance at improving upon last season's, you know, overall record and making a bowl game, but also an opportunity to maybe impose your will and try new things on offense and improve upon things on defense, which we haven't done. That may be getting more pressure to the quarterback, forcing more turnovers. And then of course, on the offensive side of the ball, airing it out more against a defense that has been incredibly susceptible to the pass. So Let's get into who Vanderbilt is, the players, the coaches, the talent composite, 
what are we facing on Saturday? Now, of course, Clark Lee, the former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, now is in his second season at Vanderbilt. He went five and seven last year. His big, he actually had two pretty big wins last year on the schedule, beating a ranked Kentucky team on the road. And then the following week, following that up with the victory over Florida. Uh, and then this year, not off to as good of a start as he as he did last year. He hasn't really kept that momentum going. Of course, like we mentioned, two and four. Their overall talent composite ranking ranks at number 56 in the 247 composite. They are the lowest rated SEC team in the 247 composite. Not even 10 blue chip players as four star or higher on their roster. So this is a roster that Florida should matchup very very well with on paper as we mentioned in the last show florida is 15th ranked in the four-year 247 composite so opportunity for florida to impose their will on vanderbilt for this one they are led by a quarterback and aj swan who's thrown for almost 1300 yards through the air 11 touchdowns seven interceptions and you know really he was the guy last year that gave florida a lot of fits neil i mean that was a, a they were able to move the ball very successfully against florida outside of ray davis of course who once again imposed his will against us this past saturday but one guy returning from last year's team that had some success and you know his numbers aren't bad actually if you really want to get down to it his numbers are probably comparable to Graham Mertz, if not better. And then also they're better than what we faced last week in Devin Leary. So Vanderbilt is going to try to pass the football on us because they do have that opportunity to do so. So, Neil, looking kind of at Vanderbilt as a team, what are you looking for as far as matchups go, the coaching, whatever it may be? I mean, I think the closest thing to a position on position advantage Vanderbilt is going to have is, I mean, as you mentioned, A.J. Swan, I don't think he's a great passer, but he does have better numbers than Mertz. Uh, he's, he's throwing for 1290. Mertz is throwing for 1220. So does have better stats. Of course, he also has played one extra game, something that I think does hasn't really done Vanderbilt a lot of good in the statistics because they're still ranking very, very close to the bottom anyway in those statistical categories. But um, yeah, so yards per game, he is thrown for less than, um, but thrown for less than Graham Merge, but he does seem to have a good connection with Will Shepard, who's got 443 yards and seven touchdowns through the air. Again, one extra game is, is very much helping those statistics because they played Hawaii. So that's six games, not five. But if Florida is, is going to be in trouble this game, it's, it's going to be because they don't contain Will Shepard. And I think Florida's secondary, honestly, since the first play of the season, has done a very good job of of locking down through the air. Maybe a couple of balls off the off the hand of Joe Milton here and there. You can say the defense kind of got torched. Um, Jason Marshall got beat for a touchdown. Jakeem Jackson got beat for a much deeper touchdown. Um, but I mean, I think if Florida can just focus on him, then then they're fine because Vanderbilt has ninety seven point three yards per game on the ground. They don't have a running threat. Their offensive line is not that strong. Florida's front should own the line of scrimmage against them. Of course, it also should have owned line of scrimmage against Kentucky. It did not do that. But this is an even easier challenge for Florida and a good bit easier of a challenge, not just slightly so. So I would really I would expect Florida to to dominate the line of scrimmage. I would expect Florida to be able to shut down Vanderbilt's ground game and assuming they can contain Will Shepard through the air I think Florida's in a good position yeah no definitely and looking at the, the Vegas spread on this game Florida opened up as a 17 point favorite that has moved in Florida's favor to 18 and a half and as we've mentioned a few shows ago Billy Napier in his entire tenure thus far at the University of Florida when he was the favorite to win the game on the Vegas line he has only covered that one time and that was against South Carolina at home last year so something he looks forward to improving on this game, the over under at 52. So Vegas is anticipating kind of a, I don't want to say a nasty game one way or another, but if Florida is to cover that 18 and a half, it's not going to be by, you know, probably But Vegas is saying is they're not going to put up 50 or 60 points uh, right now. That's not what they're predicting. And really Florida hasn't given any indication that they've been able to do that against any opponent this year. But as you said, one of the worst rushing teams Florida has faced all year their only strength in the offense is passing, and their defense has given up over 400 yards a game, 260 of that through the air, and almost 150 on the ground. So opportunities are abound for Florida to have a bounce-back moment to get back to 4-2 and, and in the positive for SEC play. 
So let's get in the matchups now. Vandy offense, uh, well, Florida's offense versus Vandy, and then Florida's defense versus Vandy. Neil, what are some of the matchups you think Florida can exploit with their offensive game? Potentially, there is rumor Eugene Wilson will be going this week. We are going to get Marcus Burke back, although we do lose Caleb Lugless, as Billy Napier announced, for about four to six weeks with that high ankle sprain that he suffered in the Kentucky game. Who are the guys for Florida on offense that you think could cause some problems for Vanderbilt? I mean, I'm looking for the offensive line as a whole to to cause problems because, again, if, if they don't do it against this team, they won't do it again the rest of the year. So I would expect Austin Barber to step up um, at the tackle position. He did not put a great game on tape. I think he is Florida's best offensive lineman. I say that very, very much with the idea of Kingsley in my mind coming back and just seeking vengeance. But I think through the totality of the game tape, the first few games, it's been Austin Barber. So bad game for him against Kentucky. I look for him to step up and have a big game. The the one guy on Vandy I'm a little concerned about is, is CJ Taylor, just because he's, he's a bit versatile. He can do a bit of different things for them. Um, I, I think their position is called anchor. It's kind of one of those hybrid spots on their defense. So just got to watch out for him. But I mean, he's not like he's Harold Perkins either. So Florida, assuming that they're just wary of him and where he is on the field, they should be able to contain him. And um, as for other guys in Florida, I think in a big games, I mean, if Wilson's healthy, I look for him to do some damage. I look for Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson to, to do some damage. Etienne earned every nanometer of those 25 yards he got last week. So I would expect for the offensive line to do their part and open up more holes for him. And I would look for ETN to exploit those and have a very, very big day and feel like, okay, I, I deserve it. After, after just taking all those bruises on my body left and right against Kentucky, I've, I've earned this, this monster day. So I'd look for him to go for a lot. And I don't really think Florida's going to need to throw the football against Vandy. I think that Florida's, I mean, we're just going to have to make peace with it, Chris. We don't have a, we don't have a downfield passing game. We just we don't have it. Plain and simple, we we don't have it. We're not going to find it this year. We just don't have it. So, but do you think this is an opportunity though for a game where we actually can try to try it, try something that we haven't done though before, being that we are playing on paper a more inferior opponent. This is your opportunity to find something before you head to a critical road showdown with South Carolina. So, I mean, if I'm going to be the the unbiased uh analyst here i'm gonna say that this would be a a good opportunity to do so having watched the florida gators for the past uh almost year and a half under napier and a realist i'm gonna say no it, it was a chance against mcneese to do it and we didn't do it charlotte was another chance to to develop it we didn't do it then either why should i believe we'll do it now against vandy i mean i i just don't i i don't see that napier has what it takes to to realize in season that something drastic has to change. I'm not talking about relatively minor things like swapping out kicker. Adam Halleck struggling, so he puts in Trey Smack. I'm not talking about little things like that. I'm talking about him just seeing that the offense is is floundering and realizing he has to make a large-scale change to it within the course of a season. He's not going to do it. I, I've seen no evidence that's going to tell me otherwise. So I think, again, we are what we are. I think that Florida will take a downfield shot or two here or there. We took a couple against Kentucky. We took one against McNeese. We took a couple against Charlotte. But, I mean, beyond just the cursory two or three throws down the field, I don't think it's – I just don't know why you would expect it. I do want to point out a quote today that was said on the SEC teleconference from Billy Napier, and this is what he said. He says, quote, I think sometimes as coaches we have to look in the mirror and say, hey – if the student hasn't learned, then the teacher hasn't taught. And, you know, that could be some inward reflection from Billy Napier's, you know, folk realizing that the team just isn't getting clicking on offense. They're not humming, as, as our friends at High Top like to say. Billy Napier has to find a way to get this offense going if there's any hope to get in it to, to really a bowl game and improve upon what he, you know, showed that progress that we're all looking for in year two. And I just think this is an opportunity for him to start. Now, you bring a good point. 
there's no evidence to show that it's going to change. Like you have to see it to sort of believe it in this situation. But there's something I'm just maybe looking for out of the offense in this game is that can they push the ball down the field against a team that clearly has given up a ton through the air? So there should be an opportunity for some of these athletes, whether it's Andy Jean, who's starting to see a larger role, Marcus Burke returning from injury, Eugene Wilson, if he's healthy, uh, you know, uh, I, I think Aiden Mizell, if you get this is an opportunity to get him more in the game. We've seen some more from Arliss Boardingham uh, in the air attack. Like There are opportunities, I think, to push the ball down the field. And this is the opportunity to try. Otherwise, like you mentioned, the schedule just does not set up for us to do that as time goes on. All right, so that's the offense versus Vanderbilt. Let's, let's flip sides of the defense. And, you know, for four games this season, the defense had dominated most of their opponents. And I don't, they didn't necessarily dominate Utah, but they had a good game against Utah. They kept Florida in it till the very end. But last week, they took a major step back. Florida entering last week only had 19 missed tackles, which was the best in the SEC. Leaving Saturday in Lexington, that number exploded to 40 four missed tackles it was a complete regression to what we saw during the Ty Grantham era and now leaving many Gator fans wondering was the first, was the first four games a mirage and you know Neil Vanderbilt I think gives the Gators an opportunity to get back on track but maybe do some things that they haven't done before what we highlighted at the top of the show can they get pressure on AJ Swan can they get in the backfield for more tackles for loss get the sacks can force the turnovers that they just haven't come this year. Florida has only forced one turnover through five games. And I, I'm not, I don't have a history book in front of me. That's got to be one of the worst starts for a defense in Florida history. So what are you looking for with this Florida defense versus Vanderbilt in this game? I mean, for starters, just not getting pushed around in the trenches like Kentucky did. And I mean, you can laugh and say, well, that's a low bar. But again, we didn't expect that against Kentucky. We would We would have thought that Florida with superior talent having just lost two in a row and having not played that well against Charlotte would have been coming out angry against Kentucky and would have imposed their will against them. So now you have an even easier opponent and it's, I mean, I guess it's somewhat, um, I mean, maybe it's a cop out to just say, yeah, don't get embarrassed, but it's a, it's a real thought. Like you got embarrassed by a, a fairly mediocre team in Kentucky especially from a talent composite perspective, you just got humiliated up front in the trenches. So I want to see our front seven dominate can, uh, Vanderbilt's offensive line, not just hold their own, but I want to see them take those, the, that multitude of steps from you got embarrassed to lose by a little. I think, as you said about the program, lose by a lot, lose by a little, win by a little, win by a lot. I want to see them completely flip that switch in the physicality department up front to dominating an inferior team at the point of attack. Now, again, uh, Vanderbilt's best method of moving the ball down the field is that connection with A.J. Swan to Will Shepard. So I'd like to see Florida not get beaten by that. I mean, if Vanderbilt is going to pull the upset, I'd rather them – actually, I shouldn't say that. Chris, is, is it is it better or worse if, if their 97.3 yards per game rushing attack suddenly gashes us for 300 yards on the ground? I don't know. Like you, you, you no, you can't let this team score points on you. Like you shut them out two years ago. That offense was bad. This one players are obviously different, different coaching staff, but this offense isn't much better than that. You can't let them establish any kind of rhythm against you at all. Period. Well, and to your point, the Vanderbilt Commodores have not scored in Gainesville, Florida, since the Jim McElwain era. Florida shut them out 56 nothing in 2019 and shut them out 42 nothing in 2021. So this team has actually not scored in three head coaches at the University of Florida, which is, is pretty astounding if you think about it. But yeah, I know that this is like you said, this is an opportunity really for for them to maybe have another moment where they do get they came close to getting that shutout against McNeese. They should have had it if they would have kept all the starters and granted FCS opponent. But opportunity, I think, for this game to maybe get a shutout. Yeah, I mean. It, it takes 60 minutes of of almost perfection though for that like one one turnover that that gets returned some 30 40 yards into your territory and your defense faces a short field and they'll get a field goal out of it it's not a touchdown so like it's it's a total team effort for 60 minutes and you have to play almost perfect ball to to get the shutout so I'm not even concerned about that I'm concerned about Vanderbilt not having you know back-to-back -back drives where they pick up three or four first downs and they get us on our heels a little bit and we're starting to get a little 
restless in the swamp players maybe a little tired looking I, I no i don't want to see any of that because that this is this is the worst ground attack in the sec bar none point blank this is the worst rushing offense in the sec you cannot allow them to start stringing together a couple of first downs here and there if will shepherd's going to make a great catch on you kind of like the way that um the way, the way that the way that dane key of kentucky did last year in the swamp if he's going to go up and he's going to moss one of our corners all right you'll live with that you you can't let them and this is what I was saying a minute ago too. Like, I don't know what, what method of them moving the ball on the field would be quote unquote better for us to handle, but you can't let them move the ball consistently. That's my key. Um, and that, that's, that's what I'm looking for most. You can't let them establish rhythm where they're chunking together yards and they're stringing together multiple first downs. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's going to be interesting to see what Vanderbilt decides to game plan here. My gut says they try to pass the ball. Although if they do, they're doing it against still the top rated pass defense in the sec now of course those numbers are a little bit uh, i don't want to say inflated but the you know kentucky knew that the the way to be florida they realized was just to gash us left and right uh you know death by a thousand cuts with 300 yards on the ground and there weren't a lot of other i mean and utah showed they can definitely hit the big play against the defense you know when there was a busted coverage in the secondary we played mcneese tennessee had their moments too but, you know, the freshman safeties have played very well against, you know, any of all the opponents they've had. So, you know, I look for the top passing attack to hopefully shut down the Vanderbilt attack that's going to come through the air, being that they really just can't have improvement. They can move the ball on the ground. So if I'm Florida, I, I, I'm setting up to get ready to play the pass. And, we'll, and I think Austin Armstrong has shown an ability to – you know, make adjustments on the fly. He wasn't quite able to do that completely against Kentucky, but, you know, they scored 16 points in the first quarter and then they, you know, they didn't really explode for much more uh, until after that. So, you know, we'll just have to see, but I do think that I expect Vanderbilt to throw the ball to win this game because that to me is their only chance to do so because they just haven't been able to prove they can manhandle people at the line of scrimmage. All right. So let's get into our picks, Neil. We've got, the Gators that are going for their fourth win of the season. This is critical that they are able to get this, to get to bowl eligibility and to hopefully have a better season than the last. What is your key to the game for this week? I mean, it's the thing that I've, I think I've spent three different talking points now mentioning dominate the point of attack, because if, if you don't, there's just so much other stuff that's going to just completely fall apart on you. So Florida's offensive line has to have a bounce back performance. Florida's defensive front has to establish its will in the trenches. They have to get into the backfield and blow plays up before they get started. Don't give AJ Swan any time to throw the football and go through his progressions. Just shut plays down before they have a chance to really get underway and develop. So offensive line, defensive line, you know, linebackers, Scooby and Shamar, we talked about last game. I'm fans of both of them. They had their worst games yet. So Bounce back performances. Um, I want to see what those guys can do in the swamp um, on homecoming weekend. I think my key to the game is how does the offense look? Like, does the offense look the same vanilla as it has against McNeese, as it has against Utah, as it has against Kentucky? Like, are we going to get that efficiency that we saw in the first half against Tennessee come back again now that maybe Eugene Wilson's in the lineup? I want to. I think that's really what it is. I want to see how Florida utilizes their playmakers in space. Get the ball to Eugene Wilson. Get the ball to Andy Jean. Get the ball to Trevor Etienne. Get the ball to Montreal Johnson. Like, what can these guys do in space when you get them the ball? And does that open up other opportunities for the offense moving forward? That's really my key. Is how can we start utilizing the talent we have now on the roster instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, which is what it seems like we're doing by just having to just pound the ball against nine-man fronts. Like if Vandy shows a nine-man front, how do we adjust to that? So that's really my key. Do we actually start game planning and calling plays against the fronts that we're getting, the personnel we're seeing, and we're effectively using the guys that we have on our roster? I think you're going to be very disappointed if you expect a positive answer to that. 
Well, you know, that's my key to the game. Prove, that's prove me wrong, about. Billy. Prove me wrong. Yeah, I'm I mean, sitting right I, here calling you out. Prove me wrong, bud. I'm rooting for you, too. I'm a fan of yours as a as a Gator fan and, and as a as a media slash uh, fan podcast or whatever you want to call you know, all kinds of other brand. I'm a fan of yours, but I'm, I'm very skeptical of you in this facet. So go ahead and prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, too. I, don't, I, I actually don't think he's going to do it either. But you know what? That's why press, new precedence is set. And... And then hopefully we certainly turn the page. There's a paradigm shift in, in the way he calls offense moving forward. All right. Now, prediction time. Gators, 18 and a half point favorites. Neil, give me a percentage chance that the Gators have to win. ESPN FBI has given the Gators slightly over an 88% chance to win. Last year, we were made fools by saying over 90%. What do we say this year? I think that's a bit high. I mean, Florida should win the game. They should be the favorite. I'll go like 72, 73. Wow. Florida should win, but they also should have won last week. They should have blown Charlotte out of the stadium. And I don't objectively trust Napier as a play caller to to give Florida the, the lead and make us feel comfortable. If you can't establish breathing room, remember that Charlotte game was a game for a lot longer than it should have been. And if Mertz just throws one bad ball, it's tipped in the air and picked off and run back for a touchdown. All of a sudden, Oh no, it's a two point game with Charlotte in the fourth quarter and Vanderbilt may not be great, but they're, they're better than Charlotte is. So I just don't trust Florida to pull away and establish any real separation between the two teams. And the longer you let them hang around, the longer that 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 um, I mean, the longer that the fan base starts to feel a little nervous, the longer that Charlotte can feel or that Vanderbilt can feel some confidence, the lower I put that. So I think Florida should win the game. I'm 72, 73. They're, they're favored. It's not a coin flip. It's not like 51, 49. They're the better team and they should win. But by no means am I marking this off as a certainty. So I'll force to give a number. I'll say 73 percent. Okay. I'm going to go higher. I, I, I'm going to go 85%. I think that the Gators will win this game. They will bounce back. Of course, now that there is precedence for Florida losing this game, that number is down until further notice, but I'll go a little higher at 85%. All right, Neil, time for your score prediction. Give us the score. You have the Gators, I would just imagine, winning. What do you think by? I'll go Florida 34-17. I think Florida... Wow. I mean, I think, again, I think... I'm just saying, wow, because it's close to my prediction. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Florida is the better football team. The Florida Gators should absolutely win this game. I don't think the Florida Gators have what it takes to blow a team out that's not McNeese. And I think Vanderbilt will fight. I think maybe a little bit emboldened by last year. Hey, we can do it. We can beat these guys. But it's just the swamp is so hard to play in. They're going to have trouble hearing the signals. Um and I, I imagine by the fourth quarter, Florida's superior strength is going to have taken its toll. But Vanderbilt's going to throw a couple of counter punches too. I wouldn't be shocked if Vandy scores first or even ha- like has the lead at halftime. Like if it's 14-10 or so, it wouldn't utterly stun me. But th- th- there's just way too much of a talent gap between these two teams for me to believe that this is possible in the swamp. So 34-17 Florida. I'm going to go 37-14 to Florida. Slight cover there for the Gators. I do think they bounce back. Like I said, I do think Vanderbilt scores for the first time in Gainesville since the Jim McElwain era, though. And I do agree that they will throw their counter punches. But I do think Florida starts to find a little more success in the red zone, a little more success in the downfield passing game. They're able to do things a little bit differently this game uh, with the talent uh, that they are starting to utilize a little bit more on the field. So 37-14 is my score prediction for this game. Just got to flip our, our second digits, our ones place. Yep. So I was laughing when you said your score. I was like, darn, that's uh, that's yeah. funny. It, it is weird how we always, I think we all end up kind of around the same thing. I'm curious to see what Dustin's model projects this week, which by the way, we will have an updated in all kinds of weather forecaster out later this week, updated top 25 and hot off the press for the first time ever, an SEC power ranking that Dustin will be doing weekly now to accompany the score predictions for some of the national games, as well as the Gator game. And now we want to welcome in a special guest, a national champion, a Swamp King himself, 2006 national champion, Stephen Harris, joins us here on the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. How you doing, Stephen? Doing great, man. How you guys doing? 
doing Pretty great. Good. Yeah, always, yes, always a pleasure to talk to those who have won national championships <laughs> with the Florida Gators. Always an honor, always a privilege. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, Stephen. So let's just jump right into it. So I think the one thing that our listeners want to maybe at least get right off the bat, Swamp Kings. The hit show <laughs> on Netflix, one of the top shows in the country, number one at one point. What was your favorite part about the documentary? And can you maybe give the fans a little bit of insight on a story or something that the documentary didn't cover but is worth talking about? Um, I guess for me, my favorite part was just just reliving it, um, seeing the guys actually in, in the moment. Um, I guess as as a player, you don't really realize what you're doing when you while you're doing it when you like when you locked in. So to actually see it, man, just gave me uh, nostalgia, man. Brought brought tears to my eyes, really, just watching uh, the stuff that we went through and just like, oh man, you guys were really, you guys really putting that work in. Um, I think some of that kind of get lost when you're just out there living in the moment. So um, just seeing it all, man, uh, the smiles on everybody's faces after we won. Um, it was just, it was just awesome. But uh, I guess some stories, uh, that probably wasn't on there. I mean, of course, uh, we missed a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we had a lot of great players. Um, everybody has a, a great story, a backstory. Uh, that's kind of what made our team, uh, special, you know? Um, I guess I, you know, I tell this all the time, I guess a part about, uh, Tebow, uh, people ask me a lot, was he really like, like that when he got there. And um, for me, I, you know, I, I didn't believe that he was going to be able to be the guy he was, um, not as far as on the field, but as far as his character. Like, like he's going to come to school, he's going to party, he's going to have some fun. But uh, he never he never did, man. He, he was He's actually everything you guys hear about him. Uh, that's, that's truly his character. And um, I, I guess one funny thing I'll share with you, um, when he first got to Florida, uh, during our first tour days, or his four first tour days would be my last, my senior year. Um, my birthday is actually August 14th, uh, which Tim, I find out, has the same birthday. But um, <laughs> they had brought a cake to practice <laughs> and doing tour days. And I was like, oh, we have a special birthday in my head. I was like, oh, dang, they brought me a cake. Ain't nobody never brought me a cake for my birthday uh, out here to this football field. It was like, yeah, Tim Tebow, is your birthday. <laughs> and then, uh, everybody kind of looked around laughing, man. But uh, it was great, man. Uh, so that's kind of like a funny story I shared with y'all. Dang, I mean, it's not often that the freshman gets all the love over the senior guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he came, he came with a package, man. Uh, these people knew Tim; they knew who he was. Um, all his high school videos and stuff, uh, almost like the beginning of social media. So, um, he he came in as a fan favorite. So it, it was just funny. I didn't even know it was his birthday, but uh, it, it was funny. I mean, Tim Tebow as a freshman seemed to be something as as a something of a of a folk hero, right? I mean, there's there, there's the story I think in in both Tebow's book and Urban Meyer's book where they talk about how there's there, there's a multitude of different strength contests. Like there's a tug of war, there's a there's a tire flipping contest, oh, yeah. and they and the offense goes against defense in all of them, and the offense always chooses Tim Tebow, this freshman. So, oh, yeah. I mean, for you, like you watching this, like, because the the unit that wins, I think, doesn't have to run, right? Yeah. So as yeah. as you just watching this, what's it like to to watch this this freshman just go up and 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 do all these things <laughs> at the level of of like middle linebackers in their senior year? What's that yeah. like? You just observe this. Uh, um, it was really funny. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I remember one time we had a tug of war competition, and he was beating everybody, and one of the the linemen, defensive linemen, I still won't say the name, but. <laughs> <laughs> they challenged each other to the tug of war and Tim like literally drug the man through the whole locker room into the bathroom, uh, pulling them on the ropes. So it's just, it's funny, man. Um, just seeing the guy so young, um, with so much strength. I mean, you don't look at it like, Oh, he's this brute animal, but, uh, you know, it's just, we're all competitive, <laughs> but, uh, to, you know, I guess I underestimated that man, this man, a freshman doing all of that, you know, kind of living in a moment, but, uh, Tim is definitely that guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that had to be kind of that moment. A lot of guys in that locker maybe bought into him because he was willing to do oh, yeah. those things and go to war with you all because you knew he was ready to go when the, those big moments counted in that season. He came up big for for, for you all and, and helped deliver that championship. 
yeah, heart was something you didn't have to worry about with him. He 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 had that. He was gonna go 100 miles per hour every time. So yeah, we didn't we didn't worry. Even when we ran stadiums, he'll be he'll finish his and then go run with the line and help push them in the back and and everything. So we didn't have to worry about none of that. Wow. Well, looking back uh, during that time period, you you did play for two coaches. You started with Ron Zook, and then you finished with Urban Meyer, of course. You saw, obviously, the differences between when this program was not championship caliber and then became championship caliber. What are you seeing right now in Billy Napier? You've talked a lot about him, how you see the, you have confidence in him that he can get Florida back to the, that level. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you're seeing internally, having lived through that, rebuild that he's doing now that gives you the confidence he can do the same thing um i believe i believe he really cares about the players you know um i, I really believe he cares about his, his job um i just think there's there's a learning curve to it all um you know for urban it, it, ha- it happened faster um because we we already kind of had pieces in place um uh, far as senior leadership um and then coming in his first year, we were juniors at that time, uh, most of us. But he had seniors there, uh, Vernell Brown um, and stuff like that, that he was instilling uh, discipline into. And then they were kind of filtering that back down to us. And then fast forward to 2006, which will be our senior year, we had a ton of seniors. Me, Ray McDonald, Dallas Baker, Jamel Cornelius, uh, Jermaine Tremaine McCullum, the twins, um, Marcus Thomas, uh, Joe Cohen. I mean, we had a whole bunch of guys, uh, Jarvis Moss, um, that were, uh, you know, had been veterans. And so to infuse that with some of the young talent, um, I think that kind of took us over. And I guess uh, some of the similarities I could see with Billy is um, he's he's, a, he's starting to get those veteran guys. Um, they haven't had that much time around it yet, but he really cares about the players. Um, we have some guys that are juniors that are, are really like that. Like they can really play. Um, it's about just filling in those key pieces, a uh, couple special team players. Uh, you need a, a breakout uh, speedster, you know what I mean? And we were able to get that done um, with Coach Meyer. But I believe uh, Billy, given the time, um, you know, he's starting to get some pieces in. And then the guys that are with us now, Hopefully, you know, a lot of those juniors and stuff come back and, and want to hold it down with us uh, to, to get us there and infuse with some of that young talent that we got coming in, man. I think it's going to be great. We definitely have a lot of young talent coming in. Depending on the service you trust, Florida's ranked either number three or number four in the country. Regardless of who you trust, it is a top five class. It is an elite class. There's a lot of ballers that are coming in a variety of positions. And those are some of the things that, that Chris and myself, uh, as, as fans of Billy Napier, openly rooting for him to succeed. We, we pointed to him and said, look, these things that he's doing are, are things that you have to do to be championship level at the University of Florida. On the other side of things, though, there are some things this year that have just not gone great, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Florida has has not looked great um, in their, in their yeah. last two games sure. against Charlotte and Kentucky. So fair to say that, that the team is is definitely uh, not playing elite football right now. So as a former player yourself, especially someone who used to be in the trenches for the Florida Gators, what are some of the things that you've seen the last couple of games that have, that have just not sat right with you that, that have bothered you, that have frustrated you as, as now a fan and formerly a player for the university of Florida? Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we haven't, Gave in our best showing last week. Um, and then uh, first game of the year, Utah. But then even, uh, you know, our game the week before last, uh, we didn't give the greatest performance that the game nation wanted to see. Um, and for me, it's just um, – we have – like I said, we have a good mixture of guys. Well, we have some guys that are really, really out there fighting hard and trying. And then we have some guys that I don't just think are bringing the energy um, every weekend. And um, in college football, you know, people got dreams and goals, and they're playing hard, man. If you if your energy is not high, if you're not coming at the right level, man, um, any team can beat you. And I just don't I don't see us bringing the the energy that we should have every game, um, especially on the road. So um, for me, it just seems like we're a little dead. And um, I I just like to uh, see them boys more fired up, man. I could just see in body language and um, in the way you play the game that. You're not playing with high energy. Like, I don't want to compare none of our teams or whatever, but just when I was with the guys, 
you know, my whole defensive line, we high-fiving. Like, we like, hey, come on, we talking. Like, talking mess to the other team, knowing that we going out there trying to smash those guys. So, um, I could just – just looking at it, I don't see the energy level um, as high as it need to be to um, compete um, at a high level. So, I just would like to see a lot more juice out of those guys because we're in position sometimes, but um, people are just not going full speed, um, like playing – reckless abandon like you got to go play football you gotta you gotta smash people and i just would like to see that so that's what chris and i said last week i mean we thought the scheme was good we thought austin armstrong did a good job putting the players in position they didn't do it reasons you just said sounds a lot different though when it comes from a former national championship winning player for the university <laughs> of florida and it's a big problem so yeah. put very simply how do we fix that how do you how do you fix that problem of guys not going um, to speed <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta address it. You gotta check it. You gotta put the film up. You gotta slow it down. You gotta do some of the things I'm starting to do. I mean, I don't. I love the Gators. You know what I mean. And it's hard not to. To, to it's hard to not say things. Uh, to point out things, uh, because you're such a fan and you love your team. You don't want to sound like that guy that just, uh, beating on the player or down on the coach or something like that. And you know. Uh, people are listening to you, um, especially now after Swamp Kings, you know, getting bigger platforms. Uh, you don't want to say things that are going to upset people, but you still want to be truthful and you want to be honest. So I think that's the approach, to be honest, to be truthful. Uh, people's feelings are going to get hurt, but you got to be a man in this game. It's a gladiator sport. Um, we can't pacify things anymore. Um, you know, we really out there putting our lives on the line. And to not be going full speed just doesn't make any sense to me. So I just think uh, being truthful and, and putting it out there and uh, being up in their face about it. And then, you know, from our our head guy, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I doubt. I don't doubt, but I don't know if he ever listens to any of these things that people say uh, online. But if, it, if you can get this message, man, get them, juice them up. Juice them up, man. Let them go play. You got enough veterans, I believe, in position that – um, are going to do their job. We got to get these young guys excited uh, to not play scared. And um, I think if they're out there thinking too much, it doesn't allow them to uh, play to the best of their ability. So um, I, I believe in the guys that you have that are older, that are going to hold them down mentally and um, to, to, to suppress them if they get overly excited. But we need them boys uh, energized. And I think coming from you, you, you should let them, let them go play, man. Talk them, talk them up, uh, you know, tell them to go out there and play hard, relentless effort. Don't worry about mistakes. Just go play. You did all the work. It's time to go play. Scared money. Don't make money. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think one of them, the kind of what you're getting at is there's a lot of moments in the locker room that were shown on Swamp Kings where like it was either you or Spikes or Siler or all those other leaders, or it was the coaches like Urban Coach Meyer, Coach Mullen, uh, Coach Gonzalez. Like they were drilling into the players before, during, after the game. You know, <laughs> you it's, think it's it worked though. Like, do you think that there is, does coach Napier do that kind of thing? If that, is that his style or are there other coaches that, I mean, I know that I think it's coach Armstrong style for sure. Uh, but do we have players and coaches that sort of resemble that style of leadership? Um, Not at the, not at the moment. I mean, we have some players that are like that. Like we, you know, our big 94, big sap, you know what I mean? Uh, he, He's one of those players that want to turn up. Uh, you know, it's a lot of those guys in the locker room that want to turn up and want to go play with that excitement. But it got it has to come. You got to you got to come from the top, you know, to be allowed to to play like that because um, everybody gets prepared differently. And so when you're in a locker room, um, you're gonna go with what the consensus of the group is. So in '06 for us, we were we were turned, we were crunk. Like the whole locker room, if you if you like the solitude, you might want to go in the stadium or walk around because inside the locker room, we finna, we turned up in there. Everybody decided and we held that energy. And so like in Swamp Kings, you guys can see uh, if Silo wasn't talking, we were talking to, we were talking amongst ourselves. Nobody had to get us pumped. Like we was in there like, hey, we finna go do this. We finna do that. And no matter what the circumstance was, we always felt like we were going to keep pressure on people. And that was for 60 minutes. You know, we did that the whole time. It wasn't just for the cameras, we, we didn't even notice the camera was in there. We were so locked into our zone, but um, all that's how we felt, and we just kept that energy 
the whole time. It's never a time where, okay, we smashed them, and now we're going to sit down and be quiet. And then we're going to go get back up. And then we're going to be, no, we, until the game is finished, we only hit. And um, I think that's the type of energy we need um, to, to play with every game. Like, we, we got to turn it. We got to turn the energy up within ourselves, within our room. You know what I mean? And, and not play scared, not play timid. You got all the coaching. It's just time to go play. Yeah. Do you think that just takes time? Like, you know, obviously I, we've noticed guys like yourself and Spikes and even Murph now coming back around the program. And I think seeing guys like yourselves around, it definitely helps. But does it just take more time of getting guys in that will reflect the culture of what you are trying to build? Like Billy Napier's trying to build that culture um, to get that back. Uh, is it just time that we're really just waiting for? Yeah, I mean, it it does take time. Um, it takes it takes trust, you know. Um, we have a lot of moving parts, people transferring in. So you're trying to figure out who's the alpha in the room, who's really that guy that's, uh, hey, if something's going on in the team, this guy can go in and break it up and nobody's going to bother him. But he can go in and be that mediator without a coach having to be a part of that. So it's just about still trying to figure out. So that's why I hope everybody comes back um, for next year and then we get our young infusion um, going. We, we, we really going to gonna have something uh i believe in the guys that we have there it just or we're missing key pieces uh right now for me but uh that doesn't excuse the energy uh you get, that's never excuse for energy because i'm all about the players i played so i want to see them all do good so we can't afford to put out bad film we can't afford to be showing that we're not going full speed anywhere so i'm always going to be harder on the players um than i'm ever going to be um on the coaches because i believe we can get it done. You know what I mean? I believe in the guys that are on the field. There's no sense of going on battle with a brother if you don't believe in him. You know, all of us got an opportunity to get hurt out here. We got families watching. Um, anything can happen. So we need to be at our at our maximum best every time we step on the field. So, um, but it does take time uh, to your point. And um, I believe we're, we're close, you know, but it's time to turn up the sense of urgency. You know, I believe we're close and I know we're, we're going to have some bumps and bruises, but I'm just going to always point out the obvious things that we can't have. Um, I, I kind of know the direction we're going. I believe in coach Billy. Um, I believe he's, he's learning as he's going to, um, you know, uh, coach Meyer had a learning curve um, when he was at Florida, just dealing with the type of players he had, you know, um, everybody's different. You can't take the same approach to every player, but you need every player to, to make it work. So um, I believe we're headed in the right direction. It's a little bit more time and um, yeah, we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it takes time. Like you're, some things have to some coalesce, come together. And, you know, like for you guys, it was getting a guy, like you had a great veteran team, like you talked about, but it was like that little extra, like, spark like getting a guy like a tim tebow in the locker room getting a percy harvin on your roster brandon james <laughs> brandon james right and then urban meyer recognizing he had to change and tweak a few things within his system and then it came together and and that's and maybe something i think we recognize from the outside that billy napier maybe need a few more guys to get in that locker room whether it's high school transfer portal and then he maybe he changes his approach to what he's doing in the program and just little things but like the underlying things that he's doing seem to be heading in the right direction the results on the field just haven't quite matched it yet right right and that's the you know that's the frustrating part but that's why i would just say you know people to, for the fans and we're not trying to wait until next year fans never want to wait till next year so we want to salvage the season that we do have and so and and to do that we need those guys playing that maximum energy you never know what you're going to get out of a player if he's not going 100 percent so, like, on some of those plays, if the guys was just going 100%, we could have had a different outcome, regardless of if they're young or not. Um, things happen when you're flying around the ball, when you're playing full speed, fumbles pop out, um, interceptions happen, tip balls, you know, just little things happen when you're playing with great effort. And um, I, I just think we – we I know we didn't do that. I watched it, you know, um, not everybody, not saying everybody, but in certain players and certain, you know, you got to heart check yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, did I do everything I could do on that one play? And that's every play, every down. And um, I believe if we do that and just play with high intensity, um, we'll start seeing uh, different outcomes. It's not like 
uh, you can tank, <laughs> tank the game like some NFL teams do and get higher draft picks. No, we need to win. Um, and so we need to always put out the best product. And uh, not going 100% doesn't even let me see if the product is good. So, For sure. Well, one of the other things uh, you're doing right now is you're now coaching high school football in Tampa, Carroll Day. I myself am a Tampa resident, so awesome. uh, knew about that, know about Isaiah Williams, excited to see what he does at University of Florida when he gets there. But talk about the experience of giving back to the game of football, giving back to young men now, <laughs> coaching them up and what that means for you. And then also maybe if you want to touch on the impact you think Isaiah Williams can have at University of Florida. Um. Giving back, man, in, in the coaching form is great. It's been great, great for me. Um, something I just started, well, you know, I, I touched in it uh, three years ago. Then I came back this year full time. Now I'm actually all the way in it. Um, it's been great, man. Um, just it's a whole different age of kids, man. So their personalities, um, they're a lot different than we was. Uh, they got all kind of social media things going on and all these different stars and rankings and stuff like that. Um, so it's just, um, it's been a joy. Um, it allows me to see kind of the things, um, some of my head coaches or, or coaches dealt with, <laughs> dealing with our teams and you know, personalities and how you got to talk to different players and um, getting to know all of them. And for me at this level, I feel like it's more mental um, for the kids because they have so much going on that uh, football almost seems secondary. Although as great as athletic as some of these guys are, it almost seems secondary in their lives uh, with, with so much that they have going on and the pressures that they're dealing with um, from just peers and social media. So I feel like it's uh, important for me um, to be in, involved in their lives and see what they have going on, checking in with them mentally. Uh, they have relationships. They have all kinds of things that they're dealing with. And I think that's the most important part right now for me, um, tapping in with the players because um, you can see some of them dazed off in, in La La Land at practice and you got to kind of, hey, what's going on? What you got going on? And, you know, they'll, they'll start to break down and tell you um, the different things. So um, it's just been important for me to be a mentor to them. Um, we have some great athletes and um, they just need uh, a little more guidance. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's real. It's a very it's a very different age um, today. Different generation of kids. Obviously, you, I mean some of the things that went down under the the tutelage of, of Urban Meyer wouldn't fly today. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put that, it's just a different time, and it, it wouldn't be tolerated. And it wasn't tolerated. Meyer didn't last very long with with the Jaguars for part of that reason. But um, and another thing that's changed in this day and age of college football uh, that I I had to ask you about is the transfer portal. We're seeing some schools take advantage of it to a very, very heavy degree. FSU, big rival, Mike Norvell, really going all in on the transfer portal. And some of their best players, most of their best players are transfer portal guys. So what do you think of the portal? And um, I mean, do, do you think that, that Florida should take advantage of it more? Do you think they will take advantage of it more? And, and how do you think that the portal is going to wind up um, being utilized by other schools around the country as time goes forward? Man, the portal. <laughs> um, it's it's a big tool. Um, you know, a lot of guys are taking great advantage of it. It's it's just tricky because um just like our scouting, you gotta have the right people in place. Um we can't just be looking at names and, and yardage and all this other stuff. We really need to be looking at film and watching these guys and breaking it down and seeing uh what their temperaments are because um a lot of people put up numbers jumping out of gaps. You can you can get a whole bunch of sacks. I can go get you 15 sacks running out the gap, or just uh, pass rushing on first down, swimming the swimming the, the guard on play action plays, and, and I'll get a sack if I just jump out my gap every every play. Um, and that won't show up. <laughs> It'll just show up in the stats in ESPN, and you won't know that I'm a horrible player. 